Hello everyone. Thank you for turning this on. I appreciate it. Allowing me to speak into your ears. Hopefully you're wearing earphones. We all know how I feel about people that listen to podcasts out loud. It's weird. Shut it down. My name's Brendan, and this is a clip from episode 15 featuring Dr. Duncan Lorimer. The universe, you know, is so big that that every single time we look out at the universe with a new pair of eyes, in this case it was radio telescopes, we find something magnificent, you know. And in fact, I want to bring up something that happened in 2007 that involved you in particular, Mm -hmm. Duncan. Uh, You were looking at archival data, you were looking at radio data that had been studied before and had put into an archive, and you found something. Can you explain what, what it was that, that you noticed? Sure. Yeah, so so back then, that was just after we got to, to West Virginia University. So I should say that my wife is also an astronomer, and uh, so she and I were new assistant professors back then, and we were looking for projects that could you know get going quickly. Um, so we chose things where the data sets already existed. So as you mentioned, archives are becoming more and more of a part of things. And um, so the archive that I was really interested in was um, coming from the Parkes Radio Telescope in New South Wales, Australia. It's an iconic 64-meter dish that I'd spent a lot of time during my PhD. In any case, this uh, telescope had, had collected um, dozens of hours on uh, the large and small Magellanic clouds. These are the satellite galaxies um, just outside the Milky Way. And they uh, had been analyzed, those data had been analyzed, and um, about 14 or 15 pulsars had been found in the Magellanic Cloud. So these were extragalactic pulsars. So I was very, really interested back at the time in finding more of those. Uh, and one way that I noticed hadn't been done was to just look for individual pulses uh, in the data. And there was a class of neutron stars that my wife had just discovered a few years earlier called, we call them RATS, rotating radio transients. And these give off just single pulses. Um, and they're, they're off, you often don't see the periodic lighthouse phenomenon that we've been talking about. So we just see these single events. And so we thought, well, let's, let's look for those. And so um, we got a we had all the tools that necessary to do that, to, to carry out the search for single pulses. And um, we got an undergraduate student involved in that search. Um, and sometime in, I'm just, I was just thinking about this the other day, it was early 2007 that um, the student David came into my office and uh, you know said, you know, I think I found something. And uh, we looked and it was just this bright individual pulse and it was so bright that it was a hundred times uh, greater than our detection threshold, so it was you couldn't miss it. Um, and uh, what's more, it was uh, it was very anomalous, not just because it was so bright, but it it had it showed this highly dispersed um, uh, property to it, such that the pulse, the arrival times of the pulse, would were delayed by such an amount. Um, that the pulse had to be coming from way beyond the Magellanic clouds. It just wasn't consistent with what we would have expected. And then we looked at the data a bit more, and we realized that this pointing really shouldn't have been observed at all. It was about two degrees south of the small Magellanic cloud. And so we'd found this sort of 
unrelated object that that looked to be well beyond the the Magellanic Cloud. And uh, yeah, and it was just a one of these you know really nice serendipitous moments where you you realize you found something that looks completely brand new. Yeah, it it in and now those objects we do, at the time we I think a lot of people were referring to them as lorimer bursts, is that correct? <laughs> yeah, the original one uh was uh, nicknamed after me and uh yeah, so it was it was a burst of about 10 milliseconds in duration uh and then we saw nothing no other emission from that spot in the sky and now um we've uh, as a community have found over 50 of these objects and they're collectively they're known as fast radio bursts right and and to this day we don't know a whole lot about fast radio bursts or frbs is that correct yeah so a decade later um we're we're still uh you know hot on the trail of them it's a, it's a cosmic detective story we're we're gathering a lot more information um but it's very similar, um, if your listeners are familiar with gamma ray bursts, you know, they were discovered in the late 60s, declassified from military satellites, and they became a, a mystery in the early 70s as to where, where they were coming from, these gamma ray flashes all over the sky. Uh, and so, yeah, we've, we've got a very similar mystery with the, in the radio sky now that we're, tr- we're trying to solve. Right, and there's a lot of people working on this. This is, this is interesting because what we have now is as, – as, Duncan mentioned is an object out in space. We're not sure what it is. You know, there's there's probably more theories about what it is than there are actual discoveries of said object. Mm-hmm. And so we have this thing that emits. It's called a fast radio burst, and that might be the first time an astronomer actually names something intelligently. Astronomers are bad at naming things. We're not good. Pulsar is a good name, I guess. A <laughs> supernova. I'm not. A, a supernova is okay. But a lot of things are 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 bad, horribly mm-hmm. named. In the, when you actually get into the study of astronomy, you realize that a lot of astronomers along the way were not good at naming things. Nomenclature is not our thing, and so. But an FRB is good, okay? A fast radio burst, because that literally describes what it is that we're seeing. We're seeing something that's incredibly fast. I think they happen on the order of milliseconds, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. And so we get this incredibly strong signal that only lasts for milliseconds. And then it disappears. So we get a fast. It's in the radio is where we observe it. And it's a burst. It occurs. It's very strong. So we're looking for them. We're looking for them now. We're, we're searching for them. We've detected a lot more, as Duncan mentioned. But, but we're not sure exactly what could be. What are the prevailing like theories or models about what these things could be? Yeah, there's, so there's a bunch of them. Um, and because they're fast, they're short duration, it has to be something compact um, because the speed of light is, is finite. Um, and that sort of set, if you multiply the, the, t- the time by the speed of light, that sets a, a size of the, the emitting region. Um, and so in this case, it's you know a, a few kilometers or so at most. Right. Um, and so... Neutron stars, the, the objects we've just been discussing, are, are prime candidates for that. They're the right size. They have the right um, combination of, of energetic properties. Uh, they have a this strong magnetic field. So there's lots of energy stored in the, the magnetic field itself and the rotation uh, of the star. And then we know that they can produce pulses. Um, so they are strongly favored. So a lot of the theories involve... Um, neutron stars colliding into one another or things crashing into neutron stars, um, neutron stars which emit very um, giant pulses occasionally. Um, 
So these, all of these theories are plausible. Um, and of course, aliens. Yes, right? they, the list goes on. As you mentioned, there are more theories than births. Um, and that's, that's still true, even though we're finding a lot more. Yeah, So they, and then you get into to more esoteric uh, theories like um, non-stellar objects, so cosmic strings, for instance, these large-scale deformations in space-time could interact with, it, with one another and produce electromagnetic pulses, and then aliens themselves. Yes. Did uh, you, when, when you were looking at this data to begin with, when you first noticed this this huge spike of radio emission coming from a, an area of the sky, when you first when you found the first Lorimer burst, what went through your mind? Did 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 you ever think like, oh, I'm in the movie Contact. This is it. You know, <laughs> I found aliens. There was that wasn't right away. That the my initial thought, you know, when David brought this plot uh, and we sort of pawed over it, was I just didn't know what to make of it. It was just so out of the left field for me. Um, I it, knew that it had to be real. Right. Uh, and naturally, know, was, as, as scientists, your first inclination is to, is to doubt the actual accuracy of the, that's at least mine, right? Is to doubt the accuracy of the measurement itself. Was it created right. somehow? Yeah. So I knew it was a real signal of some, some sort. It wasn't just a noise fluctuation. Um, so it was something real. And then the question is, as, as you say, is, was it, is it coming from space or was it something in our uh, measurement that uh, produced this artifact? Right. And, and so to, 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 you know, talk about that sort of thing. Yeah. You go to Green Bank often, right? Mm -hmm. Green Bank, West Virginia. And, and I've been there a few times and Green Bank, West Virginia, for those of you that don't know, is the home of the Green Bank Observatory, which I don't know if the listeners know this. I, I hope they do. But when you go out into your car and you turn your radio on, what you're doing is your your car is picking up radio emissions put off by some you know radio transmitter somewhere near the location that you live. That is really bad if you want to observe radio emissions coming from space, okay? Because while you're trying to pick up you know pulsars, you might be picking up 99.7. You don't want that, okay? And so Green Bank, West Virginia is this beautiful place in West Virginia. It's hidden deep, deep in, in the state through mid hundreds of mountains that your car might die getting over, which I thought mine was going to several times. <laughs> and it it's this, it's a radio quiet zone. So you, you cannot have, you know, if you like, if you use your, if you live there and you use your microwave for too long, they'll come knocking on your door, you know, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So, and of yeah, course they've done that to me. Have they really? <laughs> yeah. I left, I had a Bluetooth connection on my, macbook and i'd left it on from you know being in morgantown and they found that signal yeah they have a they have a i remember when i was there they have this uh, this like investigative squad you know like a couple people who are who work full-time and they have this like really awesome investigative van truck type thing yep. with a bunch of radio antennas and stuff on it and they, mm -hmm. their their job is to seek out any and all radio emission that could be messing with the signal of of the the telescopes. That's right. Yeah, no, they're they're incredibly good at it. And then they have to liaise with the community to you know come up with a solution to whatever um, problem it is. Uh, and it's you know it's a really is a, it's a it's a full time job. Yeah, it's I when guys clean. when I was there, I remember that they were uh, in the midst of cleaning up some some mess that was made by the uh, the Fish and Game Commission of West Virginia, 
the the Fish and Game Commission had tagged several squirrels in the area in order to try to understand breeding patterns. Mm-hmm. And because they were seeing a decrease in population, so they wanted to understand why. And so they had tagged these squirrels with radio transmitters, not knowing, not realizing the implications of doing such a thing. And so these these people, they had to physically hunt down the squirrels, okay, <sighs> in some cases maybe killing them, to, to take these transmitters off because it was messing with the signal in, in the telescopes. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah so they're, it's, they're just that sensitive, these telescopes. 